Hello, friends, and welcome to another Robcast. This is Robcast 85, and this one is called The Thing That Didn't Happen in Miami. <laughs> Honestly, I think that's the best title yet of a Robcast. Actually, there's an upcoming Robcast that I have the title for that I'm really excited about. Um, so I think that will be the best title, but right now the running best title is the thing that didn't happen in Miami. And so on this entire Robcast, I'm going to tell you a story about something that didn't happen yesterday. And because I'm in Miami, and that's why it's called the thing that didn't happen in Miami. Um, earlier this week, Tuesday night, um, my beloved friend Pete Holmes and I did a show at Largo. I don't know if I've ever been a part of something like it. Um, we recorded it and we put it online because we thought you all would probably want to hear it. And uh, so if you want to go live at Largo at robbell.com, you can download the show from Tuesday night. It was it was one for the ages. And then um, I'm in Miami this weekend. And then following weekend, uh, I will be in Durham, North Carolina. Book signings Friday night, the How to Be ex- Here experience all day Saturday. You can get all the info at robbell.com. Then the following week, we're in Austin. And uh, I'm telling you, this thing, this tour... Just now, the first half of today here in Miami, the things that happen, the things that people ask about, the, the stories they tell, uh, I'm sort of taking people through the ideas in the book and then taking it farther. So I sort of present, I sort of give an idea, give a section of uh, the book, and then people start interacting with it, and then I go from there, and it's I'm telling you some of the most meaningful work I've ever done. You people are very very fascinating. Let me just say that. So here's the thing. (laughs) I'm going to tell you about the thing that didn't happen in Miami. Um, There is, I have this beloved friend named Dan Klein. Dan is an information architect. So information architecture is a whole world of thought that basically works. There's so much information in the world. Have you ever felt like this? Like think about the internet, the interweb, Um, Think about how much information is on there. There are people who have the specific skill and expertise of organizing information so that it is accessible and so that you can intuitively find your way through it. Um, And I became with Dan, friends with this uh, fellow named Dan Klein, who is just a beloved human being, because in some ways what I've been doing with my work for 25 years is trying to make things accessible so that people can be moved and inspired and learn Um, so Dan and I found all these similarities between what I am doing, making things accessible, organizing things and what he does. And we became friends. Now the godfather of information architecture is a man named Richard Saul Werman and Richard Saul Werman is a legend. If there ever was one, he started out as an architect, um, Richard Saul Werman, became a cartographer, so map maker. Like if you've ever seen those pictures of the London subway or the Tokyo subway um, or the New York subway, that's him. Um, He's a graphic designer, so tons of, uh, like there's so many album covers that were designed by people who were influenced by him. Um, Richard Saul Werman's like a legend. And Dan said, when you're in Miami... Um, Dan has been working on a long-time project of essentially telling Richard Saul Werman's life story. He said, I'll um, talk to him about, maybe what if you could interview him for the Robcast? And I was like, oh my word, interviewing Richard Saul Werman would be 
that, that would be incredible. Here, here's an idea. Have you ever heard of TED Talks? Yeah, Richard Saul Werman started TED. So he was the one who invented TED Talks. If you've ever heard of uh, Charles Eames, the designer, like the Eames lounge chair, um, Richard Saul Werman worked for Eames, and Eames wanted to hand him the design studio. If you've ever heard of Louis Kahn, who many people think was the greatest architect ever, like period ever, um, Richard Saul Werman was a very close friend and student of Louis Kahn. So this is a man who, have you ever heard of the Yellow Pages? Yeah, he redesigned the Yellow Pages. He's written, um, officially he's written 83 books, but his assistant says they don't know because there's a bunch more that he's probably written well over 100. They've literally lost track of how many books. And for years, if you went to visit a city, you could buy an access book, which is like Access New York. The major cities all had access books where, where guides to the cities. Um, he wrote all of those. So, so Richard Saul Werman, like writer, graphic designer, illustrator, architect, map maker, conference inventor, furniture. Um, he also paints. Um, this man is a legend. He's the kind of legend that he's influenced so many things in culture that you aren't even aware of it because of how many people have been influenced by Richard Saul Werman. So uh, everybody who's ever heard of TED Talk was at some point influenced by him because he cooked up the whole thing, that sort of thing. So Dan's like... Um, gets a hold of me a little later and he says, I arranged it when you're in Miami, come a day early and we're going to go over to Richard Saul Werman's house and you can interview him for the Robcast. And I was like, no way. That would be unbelievable. So yesterday, Dan uh, picks me up in a zip car. He flew down. He lives in Michigan. He flies in and we get in um, the car and we drive to... Mr. Werman's estate and it's the coolest house I've ever seen and we go in and he has these massive sculptures he he took these giant submarine buoys and put them in his yard um, so right away when you get there and there's these obsolisks how do you say that obsolisks um, near the front door these ancient like sculpted poles you're just like yes this is what Richard Saul Werman's house would look like and we go in and uh, I, uh, an assistant takes us into a, on the estate, there's like this one wing that's sort of where the offices are. And I set up my laptop and microphones so, microphones so that I can interview him. And we wait for a while and then there's a intercom that rings and we're told that we can then be led into his private office. And so we go into his private office, which has paintings by Francis Bacon and sketches by Louis Kahn on the walls. And if you know who that is, that's like unbelievable. And we get led into his private office. And uh, he, we sit down and he says to me, what are you doing here? Um, kind of like that. What are you doing here? And I said, well, uh, my name is Rob Bell. I have this podcast called The Robcast. I would love to interview you about your life your work, curiosity, art, information, architecture, communication. He's like, oh, we'll see about that. <laughs> That's what he says. Huh, we'll see about that. What are you doing here? And he turns to Dan and says, what are you doing here? And Dan, who spent countless hours in like pouring over the life work of Richard Solomon, I think Dan has probably read all 83 books. Um, and Dan has sort of set out to chronicle and document all of the extraordinary accomplishments of this legendary man 
Dan sort of then gives his reason for why he's there. And then Richard Saul Worman launches into this fascinating monologue about the nature of a project he's working on and the house and the dogs and the artwork. And it's riveting. But in my head, I'm thinking, like, are we going to do the interview or not? I'm literally thinking about you all. Like, I want everybody to hear Richard Saul Worman. Like, I get to interview him, and that's going to make a great Robcast. So I have, like, I'm listening to him engaged, and I'm also thinking, what are we doing here? Like, is this like an intro warm-up before we go into the next room where I have the mic set up? How's this going to work? Do I at some point say, now can we do the interview? How's this work? Um, But we get, like, five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes into our preamble, and I start (laughs) realizing, and I look over at Dan, and we're then into... Uh, some muckety-muck was in the office right before we were, and he was telling about what that person wanted him to do for such-and-such city and such-and-such whatever, and he's telling about this and that. And I have that thing, like, I'm here to do an interview. Like, I'm here to to make a Robcast episode. Um, But I have this moment. I don't know if it's like 10 minutes in. You know, the more I tell the story, it'll be sooner because that makes me look like I'm more on it. But um, (laughs) I have this moment I don't know what it is, 10, 11 minutes in, where 15 minutes in where I realize, oh, I don't even know if we're going to do the interview here. Um, It's almost like I have this moment where I realize I am in Richard Saul Worman's personal office on his estate in Miami. He's 81, and he is giving us his undivided attention. It's like I had this voice in my head, previous to that going, what are we doing here? Are we just like, are we just like catching up? Like, what are we doing here? Just, we're like wasting time. We could be doing the interview. What are we doing? Just chatting. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? And all of a sudden the, what are we doing here became, what am I doing here? I'm in Richard Saul Worman's personal office on his estate in Miami. And we're just having a conversation about whatever, like I can just ask him a question right now. We're just having a conversation. Do you know what I mean? It's that moment when you go from, I have an agenda to surrendering your agenda to the thing that's happening in the room. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How often do we enter a situation and we're looking to this situation to deliver something for us? Our chief aim is production. What can this moment produce for us? Or we are so busy trying to name it and extract something from it that we actually miss out on the wonder and awe of simply being present to it. Anybody here have kids? Anybody here? Anybody listening have kids? And you're like, you're desperately trying to get that kid into it to understand how important it is that they get good grades. And suddenly you have this moment like, I have a kid. Or you're so stressed about that kid getting into some college and you suddenly realize, I have a kid who might go to college. You're like so obsessed with extracting something, producing something, achieving something. And then all of a sudden there's this moment of surrender when you give up that thing you've been working. Maybe you have a partner who doesn't, you don't feel like that partner's on the same page as you. And you're trying to get them to see things as you see. You're trying to win an argument. You're trying to get them to go in a certain direction or take a particular step or do some sort of action that you want them to do. And you've been pushing so hard and you have this moment of surrender when suddenly instead of what are you, you just, what are we like, they're even in my life. 
I even have kids. I have a partner. What an extraordinary thing. There's like this moment of surrender when you stop trying to make something it isn't and you just let it be what it is. And I had this like, we got to get to the interview. We got to get to the interview. We got to the interview. And I had all of a sudden this moment like, what kind of life have I been given that somehow in the course of things, 45 minutes, 45 years into the game, I find myself in Richard Saul Werman's office having a conversation with him. How awesome is that? And as we begin to talk, uh, as I then began to realize what's really happening in the room, which is what an extraordinary opportunity, um, I realize he doesn't care about being famous. And over and over again, I mean, this is a man who has influenced so many people, and he couldn't care less about being famous. Dan told me that a number of his old books, he has had them ground up. Like he has no interest. Literally, he's written books that he's had destroyed because he has no interest in the past. He's interested in this moment and what will make this day interesting. He's so present, it's frightening. And so one of the reasons why he was like, oh, we'll see about that, is he wants to have a conversation. So at one point, he just says to me, conversation is the thing. Conversation. Not listening in on a conversation. Conversation. Us sitting here talking. What is better than that? And then he launches in to this discourse about conversation and how powerful it is to simply sit with somebody and they say something and you say something and then you say something else and then they say something else. And then at one point he says, can I read you a fable that I've written that I've never read to anybody? And then his assistant brings in this like little poetic fable that he'd written about the nature of information and data, and understanding, and he reads it to us. And I'm sitting there going, <laughs> Richard Saul Worman is reading me a fable that he wrote. Unbelievable. What is this? How did I get here? What are we doing here? We're on a floating ball of debris hurtling through space at 67,000 miles an hour in a Milky Way galaxy that's 100,000 light years across. What are we doing here? He told a story about how Yo-Yo Ma played at his birthday party. And then he said, everything is about confidence and terror. And I said, what do you mean? He said, everything. Everything in your life is a combination of confidence and terror. He said, you were terrified to come into my office. I was terrified to wake up this morning. I was terrified to go to bed last night. Everybody's terrified, but you also have great confidence because you did wake up and you did go to sleep and you did walk into this office. He says, we're all terrified, everybody, the smartest people, the richest people, the people who have accomplished the most things. Everybody at some level is terrified, but you also have enough confidence to keep going and to keep trying things. And he says, everything is a combination of confidence and terror. So just make peace with your confidence and your terror, and then you're going to be fine. That's the kind of stuff he's throwing out. How good is that? And I thought about all of my work and all the things that I get to do. And even this morning, 
at 10 a.m. when I walked into the Gleason Theater to start today's How to Be Here experience. And there's a whole new room of people, and it's in the round. It's really tight, so I'm in the middle on a stool and among all of these people, and there's going to be all this joy and sorrow and pain and loss and euphoria and questions, and we're going to journey somewhere for a day. And there's this, what am I doing? I'm going to, like, like lead this talk, speak, whatever for the day. There's this, like, ah, what is this? Terror. And there's also this great confidence of, but I'm here, and I get to do this. And let's see where it takes us. You have the same thing, confidence and terror, all of it in this extraordinary cocktail that is your life. And then uh, he starts telling us about his new book that he's been working on. And his new book is called Understanding, Understanding. (laughs) And you know me, a good title is about the greatest thing in the universe. His new book is called Understanding, Understanding. Because Richard Saul Werman, the driving sort of engine of his work has been understanding. So maps books, information, a number of people, I guarantee you your favorite websites were designed by people who at some level were, in, were influenced by Worman, Mr. Worman's work. Because it, his, his thing is anything can be great, it can be big, it can be wide, it doesn't mean that it's good. And he keeps asking what is good, what is good. And if you trace his work, it's always about, it doesn't matter if it's got all kinds of hype and sheen and it has nice graphics. The issue is, is it good? And that you can have lots of information, but understanding is what you actually need. And that's actually at the core of all of my work has been, people have access to all kinds of information, but it's the understanding of that information. Like you have your life and you have the circumstances of your life and you have the events of your life and where you live and what you wear and what kind of work you do and do you have kids and have you been to school and all of that, health insurance and parents and generations and environment and city, community, whatever, responsibility. Like you have this giant thing that is your life, but making sense of your understanding your life, who you are and what it all means taking all of this cacophony of noise and fragment and actually finding some understanding is at the heart of the whole thing. And I'm sitting there listening to this 81-year-old man who's like the godfather of understanding tell me about his next book, Understanding, Understanding. And I'm seeing how much of his work is similar to my work and has influenced my work. Um, like one of the things when I wrote my book, Love Wins, is in the intro to Love Wins. By the way, with my book, Love Wins, if you have a problem, for people who had a problem with my book, they had a problem with the Christian tradition. Like there's nothing in my book that's new, that book. And one of the things I did in the intro to that book is I said, there's nothing new in this book. Um, and what was interesting is my friend Dan, who was there with Richard, Mr. Worman, he had written me an email after the book came out, and he said, I don't agree with you that there's nothing new. And then he quoted Werman. He said, Richard Saul Werman always says that when you take old information and attach it with other old information, what you've done is create new information. And so sitting there in his office, I had this moment of, oh, that's what I do is I take all these ancient stories, all these ancient sayings. I take all these passages from the Bible and... I tell them and I attach all of these different ancient ideas and in the process, all of these old informations make something new. And he's sitting there and he tells us that the title of his new book is Understanding, Understanding. And 
I was like, that is one of the best titles ever. And he said, yeah, and understanding, understanding is two, both words, that, that word starts with a U, and if you put two U's together, it makes a W, which is the W of Wormen. Like, that's the kind of, then he says, yeah, it occurred to me one morning that the book should be called Understanding, Understanding. This is one of the most creative minds of the past hundred years. And when he explains how he came up with this fantastic title, Understanding, Understanding, how does he explain the title? He says, it occurred to me. It's as if there is this mysterious thing that happens. You work and you work and you work and you show up and you type and you create and you fill out the sheets or the forms or whatever it is you do for your work, but then there are these moments when it occurs to you. Something else, the muse, spirit, whatever it is you call it, and then it occurs to you. Where did it come from? Like I have this great line with Jerry Seinfeld where Jerry Seinfeld says, people ask me where the jokes come from. I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. Where do my ideas come from? I have no idea. So this is this unbelievable mind of the past hundred years. And when he explains where an idea came, he says, it just occurred to me. (laughs) Do you see what I mean? And I surrendered to the moment and I'm sitting there listening to him and it's like, pow, pow, lights going off one after another. There's like this anxiety we carry around about all the stuff we need to get done, about all of the units of productivity we need to extract from a situation, about all of the achievement we need to get out of life, all of the sense in a situation that we're there but we're not there because we need to make sure that all that we get this thing so that we can put another notch in the belt so we can put another W in the column. And when you surrender all that anxiety and pressure and tension, and you stop going, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? What are we doing here? And you go, what are we doing here? This is amazing. Something awesome always happens. There's this great line in the Psalms that I've always had trouble with because it was like, it says, this is the day the Lord has made. And I was always like, yeah, but what if you get hit by a car? Is it still that this is the day the Lord has made? What if you find out that your beloved friend has cancer? Is it still the day the Lord has made? I always had a problem with that because it sounds like such a great line, this is the day the Lord has made. There's even a song, and I remember as a kid they would sing about this. Uh, But I kept thinking, some days don't feel like a day that the Lord has made. Some days feel awful. But then it dawned on me, this is the day the Lord has made is not a statement about all the good and bad things that happen to you. This is the day the Lord has made as a statement about this is a day and you have it and it's here and you can do something with it. And so often we are so busy trying to extract something out of these moments that we're not present in the moment for what it actually has for us. And I'm sitting there in Mr. Werman's office trying to figure out if we're gonna keep talking, are we gonna move next door to record? What exactly is going on here? And then I have this moment of (sighs) surrender all that. Just see where it takes you. Just see where it goes. See where it goes. 
see what else is happening here. There's always more going on here. So if you're listening to this Robcast driving into work and you have all the things you have to get done at work today, that's real, that's legit, that's how you put food on the table, I get it. Or you are a mom and you're going to spend another day with young kids, which means laundry and throw up and carpool. Uh, or if you're a student and it's another day of a list of things you have to get done because those projects and those papers and those tests are coming, I got it. I get it. It's all part of it. But the real art of life is to know when it's one of those moments when you're missing the thing that's actually present right there. You get to raise those kids. You get to go to that job. You get to study those subjects. And you move from, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? To, what are we doing here? It's that moment, Abraham Heschel called it radical amazement. The moment when you realize that you live under this tremendous, almost like umbrella of awe and wonder. Yeah, yeah. This is the day the Lord has made. I think what the writer is saying is, this day is here, and it's now, and you can do something with it, and you can surrender to whatever you need to surrender to. And then, after I don't know how long it was, an hour and a half, Richard Saul Werman, he told me about his experience with Billy Graham. He told me, like, he just went, he told all these stories from all of these fascinating things that he's experienced in his life. And then he says as we're wrapping things up. Hey, you want to do that podcast sometime? Just email me. We'll do it over Skype. Then we can have, we'll have a conversation. That's fine. If you want to do that, that's fine. And then he looks at Dan and he says, yeah, and in that conversation, maybe we'll give Peaches here or something for his sermons. <laughs> he says to me, we can do a conversation on Skype for your little podcast later. And then he turns to Dan, let me say that again, and he said, and in that conversation, I'll give Peaches here something for his sermons. That's what he said. That he would, in our conversation, give Peaches, that would be moi, he would give Peaches something for his sermons. <laughs> oh, Peaches, are you kidding me? So in the end, he's like, yeah, we can do the interview. We'll do it later. Just call me. We'll be fine. Literally, really, like I'm going to email Richard Saul Werman and say, remember the conversation we had? But that's actually what he said. And then he emailed Dan later and said, and tell your friend, like to email me and set it up so we can do it. It's like you surrender it and then it comes back around in a totally different form. It just so happens that in that new form, your name is Peaches. <laughs> And that, my brothers and sisters, is the thing that didn't happen in Miami. So here's the thing. We're all way too stressed and too anxious and too worked up. We're all way too obsessed with accomplishing all of this nonsense that we think is somehow the point. Productivity is not God's highest goal for your life. Joy is. Presence is. Awareness of just what this moment can bring. And way, way, way too many people are skimming the surface of their own existence. How many of you know a couple who are endlessly having DTRs? You know what DTR is? Defining the relationship. They're endlessly having a talk to define their relationship. They're so busy having conversations about defining their relationship, they're actually not having a relationship. Do you know what I mean? 
How many parents do you know spend so much time stressing about whether or not their kid is okay that they're actually missing that they have a kid? How many people do you know spend so much time worrying about their house that they're missing the fact that they have a roof? They have a part of the planet that they own. You know what I'm talking about? Undergirding everything is this extraordinary, radical amazement and wonder and awe that we're actually here and we're breathing and we can actually do that. Is this you so caught up in productivity and the details, which are all very important, that you're missing the fact that you're even here. You're asking, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? What's next? What are we getting accomplished? And not, what are we doing here? This is amazing. And that's what happened to me in Miami. And isn't it interesting that I would be on a book tour called How to Be Here and be in Miami and have this experience where the thing that I went to do, I flew a day early to do, didn't happen, but something else happened way better. But then in the end, apparently, we could still do the interview. So at some point, there may be a Robcast where we actually have an interview, but how much better will that be for you when you know this story? (laughs) There's a thing that didn't happen in Miami. There's also a thing that happened in Miami, and there's also a thing that may happen after Miami. So may you, my brothers and sisters, surrender to whatever you need to surrender to so that you can be alive and awake and aware of whatever it is is right in front of you. And that's another Robcast from your friend, Peaches.